Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. We love the thrill of the hunt. We like looking for stuff that's exciting, that we get big, huge margins on, that people go, why would somebody pay $60 for a bottle of like cleaning stuff? You're listening you know? to Jessica LaRue, who's also here on this episode with Cliff, her husband, and they are back on the SPI podcast coming from episode 99. This was over five years ago, and this is one of the most popular episodes, the ones that I get a lot of emails about because a lot of people have taken what Jessica and Cliff shared in that episode, episode 99, and they've actually implemented it. Some people getting more money on the side and others even quitting their jobs to start this what's called retail arbitrage business. It's an interesting, different way of building a business and I wanted to bring Jessica and Cliff back on to give us an update on where things are with doing this kind of business on Amazon, how things have changed. And I wanted to go a little bit deeper into if you're just starting out and you wanna make a little bit of side income and even turn this into a full-time thing, what exactly do you need? What do you need to look out for? Where are there extra hidden costs? And we're just gonna go right into it after the intro. Here we go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he once removed the delete key from his computer when writing a book, Pat Flynn. It's an interesting idea. All right, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today in session 377 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And today we're bringing on Jessica and Cliff LaRue, who are here from thesellingfamily.com to give us an overview and go into detail about how to start an Amazon retail arbitrage business. What does that mean? It actually means you go in to a retail store like Walmart or Target with a specific app and you scan items and you get to see how much people are paying for that item on Amazon. And if the margins are right and the numbers are right and we definitely will be going over sort of the minimum requirements, then you can buy those items and sell them on Amazon and make a pretty decent profit on it too. We're gonna talk about how to do this, what to look out for, what the minimum requirements are, how much might you need to spend and how much you could possibly make as well. So sit back, listen in, and here is Jessica and Cliff LaRue from thesellingfamily.com. Jessica and Cliff, uh, welcome back to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. 
Thanks for having us again. Yeah, good to be here, Pat. It's it's been a while, and you know, I know you know this, but I'm going to mention it again for people who may not realize this. But the last time you were on, which was February 27th, 2014, so that's literally over five years ago, uh, it is still to date one of the most popular and most talked about episodes on the podcast. And again, thank you for coming on. And I still today continue to get emails from people saying it was episode 99 with Justin Cliff and I did what they said and oh my gosh, it changed my life. So uh, thank you again for, for that episode and for coming back. Yeah, totally. You know, we still get emails today too. And it's like, so awesome. You know, when people, that excitement of getting their first sale and starting their first business and making real money. Totally. Yeah. It's been just crazy just to see how many people have been, uh, you know, introduced to Amazon from that episode. And we, yeah, like, like you said, we still get that today where people are just, wow, we heard you guys on this, on a podcast with Pat Flynn. And that's how I started selling on Amazon. So it's been amazing. (laughs) You know, we've had a lot of people talk about Amazon since you've come on board, uh, from Ryan and Grant and and many other people who have come on. But, uh, are you still doing what you talked about in episode 99 where, and for those of you who, who might not remember or didn't listen to that episode, which you should, by the way, if you haven't yet, um, because a lot of that stuff, correct me if I'm wrong, is still relevant. People are still going to clearance aisles at Target, at Walmart. Jessica, is this something that people can still go back to episode 99 and do the same things and, and earn their first dollars? Absolutely. Um, some things have changed, of course, because time goes by and Amazon's a constantly changing platform because they're just getting bigger and bigger every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still, we love doing that business model. You know, you've had people on that talk about private label and wholesale and other things. And for us, it's like, we love the thrill of the hunt. We like looking for stuff that's exciting, that we get big, huge margins on that people go, why would somebody pay $60 for a bottle of like cleaning stuff? You know, like we love doing that kind of stuff. Um, And for us, we love helping people get started. So it's the easiest way that you can get started on Amazon without having thousands and thousands of dollars. So can you give us, Cliff, perhaps we'll go to you. If somebody were to start this today, based on some of the changes since five years ago, can you give us a quick rundown of of kind of the step-by-step process and uh, and then I'd like to go with like, okay, well, if somebody does that and they're making some money, we'll, we'll follow that up, uh, Jessica, with, okay, well, what are, what are some next bigger things we can do? So, Cliff, why don't we start with you? If somebody were starting out today wanting to do, um, what, what would you even call this? Is it, is it called arbitrage or is it called, I mean, I know it's like almost kind of like treasure hunting, but how would you define it and then how do you, how do you get started? Well, it's considered retail arbitrage in the realm of selling on Amazon. And it's basically just, you know, buying products at regular stores like Walmart, Target, and then flipping them on Amazon for a higher price because of the demand and the the scarcity, supply and demand. It's hard to find them in stores. Mm -hmm. But yeah, people, uh, you know, can totally get started today doing this. And like Jessica said, the capital needed to start is very little. You know, we always recommend you know, around $500 to start just to get your feet wet, you know, and it's something that people can do on the weekend, you know, and not jump in head first. It could be a little side hustle. And then we recommend, you know, growing it into something big if you start it and then you find out, hey, this is something that I like and that I want to continue doing. Now, how do I grow it? Right. And remember, after episode 99, I had actually gone to the store with my son and we started doing this together. (laughs) And it was it was really fun. So like, you know, just a little bit of, of an investment up front to kind of just see what happens. And it was it was really fun to bring my son with me and to show him. He actually was like, wait, we're buying this and then we're going to 
sell it again? Like, why? I don't understand. So it was kind of fun to tell him. And he even asked some really smart questions like, why would somebody buy this at a higher price than we can buy it here? And and so I think that's a question that for people who are being introduced to this for the first time, uh, Cliff, can you to, to keep going here? Like, what is the real reason why people are buying it for more on Amazon than they could get it at the store? Well, absolutely, Pat. That's a great question. A lot of people have that when they first start because it is it, it it's kind of mind boggling at first. You know, like why really? would someone pay that much? And there's actually quite a few reasons. Um, I I attribute attribute it number one to time. A lot of people, you know, we see Amazon is growing by leaps and bounds and people just don't want to go to the stores anymore, especially if it's for a hard to find product. Um, you know, c- come around Christmas time, parents are looking for that specific toy for their for their daughter that they want to make her happy. And would they rather travel to three or four Walmarts and maybe not get it or pay double the price on Amazon and sit at home and watch Netflix right. with the family? <laughs> um, it, it comes down to time versus money really if if you have you know the extra money and you don't mind spending it and we we found out over you know about 10 years selling on Amazon that people are willing to spend that kind of money and spend extra because they value their time they don't want to go out and search for these items or another reason it could be profitable is because it could be hard to find or discontinued uh, the product could be uh you know on its way out the manufacturer could be discontinuing it and what we found over the years is when there's Something like a, a flavored coffee or a, a some type of food that's that's a, a certain flavor, and they discontinue it. People go crazy, and they'll pay three, four, sometimes ten times the amount just to get it. And you know that's something that we found to be true over you know the last decade of selling on Amazon. Yeah, that's and true. You know, kind of reminds me of like when Twinkies were going out; they were, they were right. like super expensive at that point. Jessica, you right. want to say something? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that a lot of times we don't realize whenever we're shopping, and we call it sourcing, whenever we're looking for products to buy. And if we're looking at a discount store like Big Lots or Grocery Outlet, they specialize in things that are being discontinued. They've been pulled off of a regular retail shelf for whatever reason, or we're at a clearance aisle and people don't always know where to go to find that thing that's on its way out. Or a store may have something on discount at Target at 75% off, but it may be full price at Walmart. So somebody doesn't necessarily know all the time where to find stuff at such a good price. Mm -hmm. And we don't either until we find it, right? Like we just see it and go, oh, well, this is selling for more on Amazon. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why we can sell stuff for even around the same retail price. And people don't realize that they're paying more than we bought it for because when they see it at Target, it's the same, you know, $20, but we bought it at Walmart for $5. So what are the first steps, Jessica, before you walk into a Walmart or a Target or, or some other store to look for these things? What do you need to have in hand to better prepare for this? You know, it's kind of a funny situation on getting started because one of the things you absolutely have to have in order to get started is a scanning app. It's pretty much you can't do it without it because a scanning app is on your smartphone. You scan a barcode of a product and it tells you how much it's selling for on Amazon. You input your cost and it tells you what your profit is. The thing is, is that in order to get a scanning app, 
you have to have an Amazon seller account. So you kind of have to commit a little bit before you actually go out and test the waters. You can do that for free. You can set up an Amazon seller account for free. They've made it a little bit tricky. It used to be a very big blatant button that says you want to sign up for a free account. Now they actually hide it a little bit. Um, so they want you to sign up for the paid account. But if you look very closely, you can sign up for the free account. When you do that, you can download the Amazon seller app, which is a completely free app that connects directly to Amazon. Mm -hmm. And then you just head out to a store and scan the barcode of a product, and then it will pull it up on Amazon and tell you the difference. So you can do that at home with just stuff that you have, or you can do it at a clearance aisle, a discount store. I always recommend that people start with clearance just because it kind of limits you a little bit on what to look for. If I tell you to go to Target and just start scanning, um, it's pretty overwhelming because Target's a large store. But if I say find an end cap of clearance toys, that's much more totally. doable, right? Um, one thing you know I'll say is one of the differences from when we were on five years ago to now is there are more restrictions. Now, it takes a little bit of time. We find that the very first weeks are the hardest, right? This isn't one of those businesses, unfortunately, where you can just like um, get started and it's super easy. I think that's one of the big misconceptions now is that it's so easy. Um, but you just, once you get going, you start to realize, okay, these types of things are restricted and I can sell this. And it's all about just really spending the time to scan enough products and then find those things that are selling for more on Amazon. And the funny thing is, is that once you've been selling or had your account for about six months, a lot of the restrictions that we see start to just fall off for people. Oh, no way. What, what, what are some of those restrictions that we're likely to see when we're starting? Uh, a lot of them are brand restrictions. Um, you know, obviously... A lot of the big brands are, are really uh, at odds sometimes with Amazon, like Nike, Disney, and they really don't want a lot of third-party sellers um, selling their items. Mm -hmm. So at first, you know, those are always going to be restricted. But you'll start to notice um, you know, there's things like in the uh, cleaning category where there'll be uh, like a scrub pad or a, a toilet wand brush that you know, once you have sales that un in unrestricted items in that category – it'll start to open up doors and avenues for you to potentially sell uh, other items that have previously been restricted on your account. Gotcha. Yeah, one of the, there's a, there's different ways that things are restricted on Amazon. One is by category or subcategory and one is by brand. And so one of the subcategories that people really want to be able to sell in is called toys, which is actually in a subcategory of toys. So it's really confusing. I don't know why they did that. So we say other toys is restricted, but overall toys is not. Um, but at the about the six month mark, somebody can apply to sell in the other toys and get approved, which just means a lot of times it's like um, the special brand of toys. Mm -hmm. you know, like the higher end toys, um, or there's a subcategory in health and personal care, which health and personal care, if you remember, is one of our favorite categories, yeah. but there's a subcategory of topicals or ingestibles, which, you know, are more, more likely that they could harm somebody, right? Like it's something that they're swallowing or something that they're putting on their skin. So those are restricted to brand new sellers, but once somebody's been selling for about six months, then they can get ungated in those categories very easily. 
Gotcha. Okay, so it takes so it, a little bit of time. Right. I was going to say it takes a little bit of time, and so it would take some sort of a trial period or commitment up front just to kind of see if this is something that you want to continue to do. Because um, I remember when when we talked before, it was it was something that you could kind of like try once on a weekend and and you'd be fine. And you know, some people took that, did commit, and are now sort of you know pro sellers now, which is kind of cool. But for now, to to even give it a good trial, you need to perhaps have you know, a good run of, of a few months. And, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean going to target every day? Does that like, is this a daily thing? Like how many hours, how much time are we talking here that this would take to get to that point where it actually can become something sort of lucrative for us? You know, we still have students every day who are getting started that share their, a lot of people, their first goal is to make a thousand dollars in 30 days of sales, right? A thousand dollars in sales. Uh And a lot of our students do that in their very first month. And so it's really exciting. Um, that, that would probably break down to about $300 in profit, depending on what they buy, of course. Um, so it isn't a huge number, but it's one that definitely shows you, okay, this will work. And so I don't want people to think they won't be able to sell anything right in the first six months, although it may feel that way when they first get scanning. Mm -hmm. Um, but they can definitely just get started. You know, we say $500 is enough to get them foot in the door. Um, a couple hours at a sourcing trip once or twice a week is really a good get your foot in the door. And I just recommend that people spend at least an hour scanning products and that they scan at least a hundred things because it's easy to scan 10 things and it goes pretty quickly. But if none of those items are profitable, it's easy to go, okay, this isn't going to work. But I'll tell you that Cliff and I, we go sourcing and there are days where we scan 200 things and we only found two products that were worth selling but those two products make our whole entire trip. Yeah, I remember going with my son and, and we found like a gravy boat or something. And I was like, hmm, this is weird. And it was on clearance for like $8 and it was for sale on Amazon for like 35 And I was like, what? This is crazy. And we did scan a whole bunch of things and I was getting like restrictions. I was getting, no, this was not worth the time. And the app literally tells you sort of what to do. So we'll make sure to link to that app and all the websites and stuff that Jessica and Cliff were mentioning. But it was kind of cool to find that. And of course, I remember learning from you guys when we were there, we're like, okay, Let's get all the gravy boats now so we could get them. And then, you know, we put them on the on the on the website and they told us, you know, Amazon tells you essentially uh, how, how to package these things, where to send them. You don't send all the things to one place. You send them all around to all the distribution centers and then you start to kind of track things. And I remember getting emails, you know, daily with, you know, hey, four of your gravy boats sold today. And it's like, wow, this is cool. It's like and, and of course they ship it for you. It's it's already it's already kind of done for you after that point. Um, and and then we did buy some things that didn't sell either. And I think that just with experience and with time, you, you kind of begin to learn what works and, and what doesn't. Um, to go back to just some of the people who may listen to this and give this a shot, is it weird to, or how do you speak to the people who are like, isn't it weird that you're just going in a store and scanning everything? Like, do the, do the Target employees look at you funny? Do other people kind of think you work there? Like, are, how do you get over that, that, that fear with this thing? It, it, it is a, a legal thing to do as well, right? Yes, yes, okay. it is. It, it's totally good. It, it is nerve wracking, though, when you first start. And it, that's a common thing that people say is, I feel kind of awkward <laughs> scanning, like I'm doing something wrong, but I'm really not. And, uh, you know, in our experience, we've never been bothered by any employees. We've had employees ask us questions like, oh, 
uh, what are you guys doing? Are you guys selling this? And I think it's becoming more commonplace for them to know like there are resellers out there, you know, selling on eBay and, and Amazon. Yeah. And in our experience, we've actually had managers come up and start packing our stuff for us no at, a, yeah, at a Toys R Us. About two years ago, we were in the Bay Area and a manager comes up and, and I asked him for a discount. I said, man, you know, we had like three carts full of stuff. And I said, you know, I'm taking all this stuff. Is there, you know, any extra discount you guys can can give to me? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to. I appreciate you guys taking all this stuff. And then he began building boxes right behind the counter as his employee was scanning, uh, you know, the items. And then he was putting them into the boxes for us. So, was, yeah, it was a great experience. But it is nerve wracking. It's it is legal to do, um, you know, and just. Be honest with with the employees if they ask. You know, you'll get you'll get looks sometimes if you have twenty of an item. Uh, you know, a few times I've bought fifty Elsa dolls at a Walmart and gotten a lot of looks, but uh, I was sold. They were I was sold out on them before I walked out the door during uh, Christmas time. Yeah. So I just knew I was making a bunch of money on them, but it's just part of the part of the game. You know, part of the business, and and it gets easier over time and with experience. It's funny. Target is kind of an example that's funny because they do actually have a anti-reseller policy where they don't like to sell to people who are clearly reselling. And so with them particularly, we try to not be super obvious. And it, it all depends on the cashier and the manager at the time. So if somebody decides that you're trying to take all of the most popular thing that they have, they can tell you no, that right. they don't want to sell it to you. And Target's really the worst. Um, but we tell anybody at any point, like you don't want to be over aggressive or, you know, like you don't, we don't like to bring attention to ourselves, anyways. So it's like, just don't clear the shelf completely of the hardest find thing or, but if it's clearance, really people don't care. It's whenever you're taking the thing that they're trying to keep in stock. You know, if you're taking 25 and they just got in 25 today, mm -hmm. they may say something about it. Um, but if you're taking all the clearance stuff, they really don't care. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, one thing I remember when I was doing this too was that there were some extra things that I didn't know I needed until I was kind of deep in the process, like boxes and tape and, you know, label maker things. Um, how, how much of those things might one need when they are starting out? Obviously, it kind of depends on volume and sort of what it is that you're shipping, but uh, what are some extra sort of potential costs that we might need to take into account when we're, when we're starting out? Cool. We have what we call the bare minimums, right? Because there's always stuff that you can add on that makes life easier. There's a lot of fun tools and gadgets that we can get. Sure. But the bare minimums that somebody needs to have in order to make this work is they have to, one, have a smartphone so that they can have that app. Two, they have to have a computer so that they can list the products on Amazon and they need a printer where they can print their labels. So you can get a fancy label printer, but all you really need is a printer and a regular printer, and then Avery address labels. Mm -hmm. So these are going to go on each of the products. You're going to cover the manufacturer's barcode with what's called an FN SKU label, which identifies each product to us as a seller so that when Amazon scans it, they know exactly who sent it in. And then you have to have boxes, which, you know, to send them in. And we recommend that people try to at least fill one whole box there's a setting that you can change inside of your seller account that makes it to where you do send everything to one warehouse. It costs extra, but we find that when somebody's just getting started, if they only have 15 things and they end up having to ship it to seven warehouses, it makes it 
it doesn't make it cost effective. So yeah. it makes more sense to pay extra to have it all go to one warehouse. And then you're only using one box and then you need to have um, tape to close that box. And then you need to have either regular paper or you can use a, a two per sheet or two per page label um, that goes on top of the box that one side tells Amazon which shipment it is and what's supposed to be inside of it. It's not listed on there or anything. It's just a barcode. Mm -hmm. And then the other half um, is the address label. It has your address on it and it has Amazon's address where it's going to. And then that's for like FedEx or UPS. Yeah. That, um, and that, I think that's pretty like much it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm remembering it. It was it was pretty simple once I got it down and I and I went back and I did a couple couple runs at Best Buy and I saw some headphones and those sold out really quickly and I made like a $15 profit on each of those and I had like 10 of them and um, it was it was really fun. It was really it was a good start and you know, if I didn't have my businesses that I have now, I could imagine myself, you know, doing that once a week and making a little side income. But the question that I have for you and Cliff, maybe we can go to you for this one is after you do this for a while and you start to see a little bit of income coming in, is it just let's go to the store more and, and do this? Because I remember going back after like the day after and I was like, wait, I'm seeing all the exact same things. Like this is only scalable to a point. How do you how do you grow this kind of business? How do you turn it into something uh, that's more than just retail arbitrage? That's a great question, Pat. And there's a couple different ways. Um, you know, like you said, you were seeing the same things that you were scanning over and over. Um, for retail arbitrage, uh, you would increase your your area that you're sourcing from. Uh, we like to travel, especially me, when I find a hot product, I'll mm -hmm. travel all up and down California, sometimes Nevada, you know, stopping at stores to get that particular product. So if you find a hot product, you just increase your sourcing area, you know, the amount of stores that you're going to instead of just the ones in your town. Do you call them up beforehand and make sure they have it in stock? I do not. A lot of times I do not uh, because I make sure that there's enough stores on the way. You know, if I'm going to big lots and I'm heading, you know, up north towards Nevada, going to Sacramento, I know that they got seven of them in that area. Sure. So I'm oh, okay. bound to find some is, is my reasoning. Um, but as far as like, you know, once you know that this is something that you like to do, uh, retail arbitrage does end up morphing into something else. And you've had other guests that talk about private label and wholesale and those do produce the bigger numbers because you can scale them more. Um, How does that you work? Know, like you mean transitioning from retail arbitrage to wholesale? Or yeah, I mean like for, for people who don't even really know what that means, like how, how is that different? Uh, it's different because, again, you're not going to retail stores to source your products. You're uh, searching out uh, manufacturers that uh, will allow you to buy in bulk. And so the game changes a little bit because you're ordering pallets of material of, as far as wholesale goes. Mm -hmm. And – so you're ordering pallets of material and you're doing it at uh, a certain price point. And usually your margins and your profit tend to be a little bit lower, but your volume increases, if that makes sense. So, so profit per product is lower, but because you're getting so many more, you, you actually will end up making more money. Right. And you end up having uh, a lot of times you can make deals with the manufacturers, especially if you're the one to bring their product to the Amazon marketplace where you could say, I would love to be your sole vendor on Amazon to sell these products. And we've seen a lot of people have great su success with that. And then they have, you know, they're the only vendor for that product on Amazon. And so it cuts out competition as well. You don't That's have to cool. fight with other sellers for, you know, price points. And then, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a gradual step from retail arbitrage. You know, you're sourcing at stores. And then, like you said, you eventually start to see the same things. And there's only so much you can do unless you travel and increase your sourcing area. 
So it's like a just a an ev- we call it an evolution of business uh, as far as the Amazon seller goes because you're looking to grow and increase volume, and then you're just adding something else to your your retail arbitrage business model. And I would say that that transition or evolution actually takes quite a while mm-hmm. because we find that new sellers can get to about six figures in profit within one to two years working by themselves, maybe with a spouse or a family member and working either like a lot part-time or full-time. And that's where we find that people start to go, okay, but now what? It's hard to go past six figures doing retail arbitrage. I feel like it's pretty hard to not have enough stuff to get to that point. Um, And that's usually when people start to go, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. But a lot of the people that we work with are similar to us where they don't want to have a million dollar business. It's not easy to run a million dollar business, you know? Um, And a lot of times, so we find when somebody's getting started, they're going to have one of two goals in mind. Either one, they're looking to add an income stream, a side hustle. They want to stay home with the kids. They want to pay for vacations, pay for cars, that kind of thing. Or they want to build like a brand and a huge business. So depending on where they are in that spectrum, that's going to really determine, do they stick with retail arbitrage or do they go to a bu- another business model? Because people ask us all the time, why don't you guys do wholesale or private label? And for us, it's always been about the lifestyle. We don't want to work full-time hours. And with having other businesses now, you know, we've we've been doing our blog since 2012, we bought a niche site recently. Like we have other things going on that we can't, we don't want to work full time with all of them. So it's like, we can't to us. It's like, we don't want to work eight hours each a day, you know, and we homeschool too. We were having this conversation with our son the other day because we're like, you know, we don't want to work all day every day. And he's like, yeah, we don't want to do that (laughs) because he doesn't know what it's like to have two parents that work full time. Yeah, I mean, our our kids are the same way, and we're just truly blessed for the business uh, type that we have to allow us to have a little bit of freedom. And so I, I I can see that for sure. And I would imagine that going down that route would add a lot of other headaches that aren't there if you're just kind of doing it on your own, like like you are right now. For example, I can imagine that obviously if you're ordering pallets of stuff, like you got to put those pallets somewhere, and that's right. Gonna, you know, you, you need a warehouse or a you need employees oh, and. <laughs> different insurances and like so that's that's amazing for a lot of people but for us and a lot of people like us it's just not what what we want at this point in our life right and that's why you're the selling family as you're known right. the, the selling family.com family being you know the most important part of that so, so so good for you for not just going because there is money there and you guys would probably crush it but then that, what would that give you i mean you're you're working for your family and you're 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 successful in that way already so that, that that's awesome so um when it comes to like this other stuff that you're doing now i'm curious because uh, this was nothing that was mentioned before you, you just bought a niche site tell me tell me a little bit about that why <laughs> what are your goals there um yeah we bought a niche site it's um it's like related to apple products which we're a total apple family mm-hmm. and for us it was we kind of wanted to explain experiment a little bit and see what it's like to have a different type of business that one, we didn't start. And then two is in a totally different realm than what we've done before. 
And just to have another income stream, because we had some money that we had available and it was like, well, it's not really making us any money. So what can we do to have our money make money? Right. Right. So instead of investing it in stock market, we're like, well, let's try investing it in a small business. And so we invested and it just, it makes money with ads and, um, since we bought it, it's continued to make money. And I feel like that's the only <laughs> goal we can have really is to have it continue to make money. Um, so it's been fun. It, we've only had it for, um, about four or five months, I think. That's cool. How, um, how much, how, how time intensive is it for you at this point or, or is it kind of just on autopilot? Um, it could be on autopilot, but I like to tinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I spend a couple, like four or five hours a week on it. Um, but I don't have to. So it's just when I have the time. That's really cool. Uh, so going back to, to Amazon and, and selling and stuff, uh, when, when you had mentioned that, you know, if you do this retail arbitrage, you can make up to six figures if you kind of commit to it and, and put a little bit more time into it. In what range of six figures? Is it 100000 Is it $999,999? Like what, what range are we, are we talking about? So people can consider like, hey, maybe this is something I could do for, for, for my job. And I know some people have heard episode 99 and have quit their jobs because of it. So yeah. like, isn't that amazing? But um, It is so amazing. Like what range are we talking about here for, for potential income? And then I'd love to get into a little bit of the sort of biggest mistakes and sort of other hidden things that we might not know about, but what, what range are we kind of looking at here for kind of top level before one might need to consider if they want to get more income going down the private label wholesale route? Uh, I would say, Pat, to be honest, anywhere between one and 200,000 uh, for retail arbitrage. And that's then profit, that's it. right? Not, that, that's not profit, profit, correct. Yeah, yeah that's sorry. cool. Uh, profit. Um, and that's if you're hitting it hard and you've committed. That's and, a full-time. Yeah, full-time you know, uh, commitment to your Amazon business. Um, we have seen a few people go higher than that, but they, to be honest, they are few and far between that hit those higher numbers with just retail arbitrage. Um, but like I said, most people, they end up evolving and adding something to their retail arbitrage business, like wholesale or private label to get to those bigger numbers if they're going for a million or, or anything higher. Gotcha. And, and I'm just trying to get in the heads of my audience right now. I think one thing I forgot to ask was what was the name of the app that they could get that you know, if they want to just scan because, uh, and, and you do need a seller account to even log into that to even try it. Is that true, Jessica? Yeah, it's an Amazon seller app. It's made by Amazon, the company, okay. and it links directly to your Amazon seller account, which is really um, important because it will tell you exactly what you're restricted in and not restricted in. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Fantastic. Um, when I was trying this, I remember kind of just trying it out for a few for a month and just letting it sit and I'd see some sales here and there and that was pretty cool. Then I'd see the income kind of put into my bank account, which is pretty amazing. But then I remember several months went by and I, I started to get some notices from Amazon saying like, hey, your inventory hasn't moved for a while. Like you can try changing the price. You can do this and that. And then several months later, I just kind of let it sit. And then I was like, hey, warning, like you might want to do something with your inventory here or else you might need to pay some fees or like, like I'm, I'm just curious about like those kinds of things for people who want to dabble in this first. What are some of those kinds of costs or potential sort of uh, things that, that, that we might f- come across? Uh, so just so we know what to expect. So that's a really good question because it is so easy to send stuff in and then um, 
decide it's not for you, but then you still have the inventory. So we've experienced that with a lot of people. One of the things um, that's really important is if you go with the paid Amazon account, is that if you stop selling consistently, that you downgrade your account because that can immediately eat up your profit if you're paying Amazon $40 a month just to keep your stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing is it's really important that when you first buy products that you don't just buy anything that seems like it's going to make money that you really, one thing we haven't talked about is ranks. Amazon will give you a bestseller rank. And we just say as a easy rule of thumb, try to only buy things that have a rank of under 150,000 because that tells you it's going to sell pretty quickly. Um, we see people will buy things with these huge ranks, like 300, 400, 500,000 ranks, but they're like, but it's going to make me $50. And then it just sits there. Mm-hmm. So an item just sitting there really doesn't help you at all. It just eventually will cost you money because Amazon does long-term storage fees, which means your stuff has been here longer than they want it to be. <laughs> so get rid of it or pay us. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, if you're paying for any extra tools or anything like that, you don't want to just let the stuff sit there and you're paying for that. Um, does that answer the question or is that not really what the yeah, question is? Yeah, no, it, it, it does. I'm just trying to think ahead for everybody here as they, they go and give this a shot. Um, so just to kind of go over a hypothetical example for people, I sign up for a sell, seller account. I get the app. It's connected. I drive to a Walmart, uh, for example, and I walk in. I see this giant store. Where do I go? Well, let's let's start there. Like, where, so, where am I walking? When you get to Walmart, the first place you're going to go is figure out if they have a full aisle of clearance or if they just have end caps of clearance. Okay, so I'll be like, hey, thanks for welcoming me. Tell me where the clearance aisle is to the guy who's kind of, you know, uh, saying hello as I come in. Right. <laughs> yeah. And usually um, the clearance aisle will usually be like around the seasonal stuff. Um, or the lawn and garden area. And then if it's end caps, you kind of walk around the outside of the store Mm -hmm. instead of the inside. Like if you're walking through the main aisles, you won't see them. But if you walk behind and on the back edges of the stores, that's usually where clearance is held. Okay, so I see see a clearance end cap and there's a bunch of random things on there. Um, And I know just from experience that, you know, that's a good place to start because you know the store is trying to get rid of those things and that's why they're discounted because they're trying to make room for new things so that's like a great place to start and so I pull up uh, I open up my app and then just just literally like item by item just go for it yep so you're going to open the app and it's going to use your camera to scan the barcode of the product it's going to pull up the information on Amazon it's going to tell you a few things that you really need to pay attention to one is how much it's selling for on Amazon Two, which doesn't do you any good without knowing the rest. Two, how much you would pay in fees in order to sell that product. And then there's a spot where you can input your cost. So whatever it says on the clearance tag, you input that in to the app. And then it's going to tell you how much you would make in profit. It will. Um, I don't remember if that tells you ROI or not. Um, I think it does. But then it's also going to tell you the category that it's in mm-hmm. and the Amazon bestseller rank. Bestseller. The Amazon bestseller rank is the one that's really important to look at. You want to make sure you're at least under 150,000. And then one thing is make sure that your product is going to be profitable enough to make it worth it, right? Because what we see a lot of people do is they'll find something for a dollar and then see that they're going to make a dollar in profit. 
well, you're making 100% return on your investment, which if you're investing in the stock market, we would invest a million dollars if we had right. it. Right? <laughs> um, but $1 at a time makes it really difficult to scale and to even really test the business because you have the cost of your boxes, the cost of your tape. So to do that $1 at a time is very difficult. So what we like to recommend when people are getting started is don't buy anything that's going to make you less than $5. If you're, you know, if you're going to um, sell one of something and it's only going to make you $2, it just really isn't worth the time. Mm -hmm. It's a learning experience, but in the end, it really will have not been worth it. And then not just how much you're going to make on the item total, but how much did you have to spend to get there? Um, this mostly comes from the type of people that we're look that we work with, and mostly from being similar to ourselves. Um, most people don't have a ton of money to get started, right? So I'm not going to say spend thirty dollars to make five dollars. That just doesn't make a lot of sense when you're getting started. If you can sell a thousand of those things great, <laughs> but retail arbitrage, you're not going to find that many. So it's not going to work. So I recommend not going under 40% return on investment. So if you spend $11, then you can get your $5, right? But if you're spending $10, I don't want you to make four. Right. So okay. you got to keep both of those kind of in mind. And, and I'll be honest, that's kind of where a lot of people go, but just because that makes it hard. <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard to find things that meet all of your criteria. But unfortunately, when people don't follow that criteria in the beginning is when they start to see, okay, well, I sold a whole bunch of stuff, but I didn't make any money. Right. And we hate to see that happen. So we try and be really, really strict on people. And then we say, okay, once you've done that, then loosen it up and take whatever profit margin you want. You, if you want to go for volume, go for volume. If you want to go for, um, you know, 30% ROI, go for it. We have sellers like um, somebody we did a, a success story on our website. He got to $10,000 a month in sales in four months using our teaching, but almost a completely different model than what we teach because he was having a really hard time finding stuff where he could make high profit margins. So he decided I'm cool with taking 20%, 30% margins. So he was able to get to like $3,000 in profit a month in those four months, but his sales volume is very high. Right. And and I, I even remember running through uh, the store once and finding some really, really expensive products like refrigerators and things like that, yeah. that uh, I actually bought a mini refrigerator and, and, and sold it. And I actually made like 50 bucks on that one product. Uh, and, and so for me, that was worth my time and it was a fun experiment, but yeah. And $50 one time, you know, even if you spend $200 on it, doesn't meet fully what I would give as a rule, but $50 one time makes so much more sense than selling $51 items. Right, right. And I think the, the refrigerator was going for like, you know, it was going, I, I bought it for like 60 and it was being sold for over 100 on Amazon. So I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. And, you know, I was like, are there any more? And it was the only one. So, you know, anyway, um, and, and it was just big to ship and, and stuff like that. But, okay, so I, I get these products. I go home, I follow the instructions on Amazon. I, I, I uh, input that, 
that that item into Amazon, and it kind of walks you through that process, which is which is kind of cool. And what one question that I had as well, just trying to think ahead for everybody, is I remember that I ha- I actually had to set the price of that product that it was going to be sold for on Amazon myself, and I just kind of got stuck there. And I know you you have courses and a lot of free stuff to show people how to do that, but any any advice, Cliff or Jess, on just pricing strategies because it, it can tell you how much it's going for, but then you can kind of like move it faster if you lower the price, but then you don't make as much. But then, you know, there's, I did, it was, it was, I was just kind of stuck at that, po- at that point. Yeah. That's a common thing that most new sellers come up against is they're not sure what to price it at. We always recommend that you price what it's currently selling for. Okay. Um, you know, if, if when you scan the product and you see the current buy box uh, is selling something for $20, uh, we recommend putting it at $20 when you send it in. As you become a more experienced seller, you're going to notice um, things like how many sellers are on this this particular listing. And, okay, well, I see there's only two other people selling this. It's got a great rank. I'm going to increase my price while, while I send it in. And so if they sell out, I'm the last one left, and I'll I'll command a higher price. That comes with experience and learning. But to start off with, we always tell people to, you know, just sell it for what it's currently going for because um, that's the easiest thing to do. Now, uh, the the prices on Amazon when you're selling, sellers come in and out daily. So sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes up. It's a real, uh, real roller coaster sometimes when people are selling products. Mm-hmm. And so we always uh, recommend just, just match the, the current buy box price and then watch it as it's going in. And then when you get your email from Amazon that your product has uh, successfully been checked in, uh, just double check it. You know, go through your inventory and make sure that all of your prices are lining up with what they're currently selling for and then adjust as needed. And I think that's one of the things too that like you were mentioning where stuff just kind of started sitting is because the prices do change so often, it's important to go into your account every few days at least and make sure that your stuff is still selling competitively. Because if it's not, sometimes it's just adjusting a price 25 cents will get you back into where a buyer can see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one thing on pricing too that I want to mention is with using FBA, which is where Amazon fulfills your orders, the customer doesn't have to pay a separate, separate, sorry, shipping fee. And so if you're looking at somebody who's selling a product and they're not using that fulfillment by Amazon program, you may see that they're selling something for $14.99 plus $4.99 shipping, which essentially is $20 to the buyer. You're going to price competitively matching their price plus shipping because when somebody buys it from you, they're not going to pay a shipping fee. So you don't want to charge them $15 to be competitive when in total, it's actually costing them $20 to buy from the other seller. So that's one of the big mistakes that we see as far as pricing is matching somebody who's a merchant fulfilled seller where they're shipping it themselves versus price matching to somebody who is price plus free shipping. I I see. So you would, um, in that case, if it's up to a self shipping merchant uh price it at closer to like 19 versus 15 whatever their total is so you just take their combined price the price plus shipping oh just add them then, together straight yeah up. and you don't have to even really compete with them like you don't have to try and go a dollar less than them or anything because amazon thrives on their prime buyers people who paid into their prime membership 
And so they paid to get free shipping. So a lot of times people will actually pay more money to an FBA seller than they would to a merchant seller. But that's, again, like Cliff was saying, there's so many different pricing strategies. So for just sending your first stuff, the most important thing is just making sure that you are competitively pricing with price plus shipping, not just their price. Cool. And so to finish off here, and then I and then we have some resources for all of you really quick who want to just dive deeper into this and learn more about this. And I think that this is going to have the same effect as episode 99 for people who just want to try something new and get started and perhaps have never even heard of this thing called retail arbitrage. But um, based on episode 99 and the last time you guys were on, uh, any other big changes or, or things to look out for since the last time you were on and we talked about this um, if not, we can just we can just call it because you know I think people are ready to go. But any anything else we should know about before uh, diving into this world, we'll have you know, maybe each of you share one thing. Maybe cool. I think that um, one thing that has changed so much since we were on five years ago is that Amazon has become more commonplace. That more people know about it. Um, unfortunately, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions that's happened since then is that it is so easy. And I mentioned this in the beginning. And so I, I see a lot that people don't treat it like a business because, you know, if we like to try, I feel like entrepreneurs like to try a lot of side hustles, right? And there are a lot of side hustles that you can start without spending hardly any money. And you're not having to pay for a bunch of stuff recurring, but with Amazon, you have to pay for inventory. Eventually you have to pay for tools and all these things. Um, So it's really important just to remember from the very beginning that it is a full on business. Like it's not a brick and mortar business, but you do have way more expenses that come into it, especially because you have to buy inventory. And so treat it like a business from the beginning and know what your expenses are. That's the thing that I see the most common is people, I think I mentioned this already, that people will get to a point where they're like, dude, I sold $500 worth of stuff, but I don't think I made any money. <laughs> it's like, so, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, knowing upfront that this is going to take some work, it's going to take some time, yeah. but if you're willing to put in the effort and really treat it like a business, then it can be something really amazing. Well, how would you recommend before I get to Cliff uh, to keep track of your expenses so you don't sort of lose sight of that? So very first starting out, the the easiest, well, I don't know that it's the easiest, but the, the least expensive way would be to use a spreadsheet yep. and just track how much you pay for every single item, any extra expenses that you have, like when you're buying boxes and tape and um, paying your pro merchant fee and all that stuff, putting a good detailed profit versus loss. Um, I use GoDaddy bookkeeping to keep track of all of my income versus expenses so that I know, okay, what's going out Mm. is less than what, or going out is less than what's, you know, (laughs) I'm saying it backwards each time. (laughs) What's going out is less, I'm saying it wrong again. Sorry. (laughs) You know what I'm trying to say. What's going out. You spend less than you make or you make more than you spend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So that you're, you're bringing in more money than what you're putting out in right. the business. Right. Um, and that is, I think it's like 10 bucks a month or something. So at a point you'll do something like that, but in the very beginning, at least just keeping track of what's going out and what's coming in. Amazing. Thank you, Jessica. Cliff, any, any final words? 
Uh, nope. I think we've, we've covered it. Um, you know, like Jessica said, treat it like a business. And then I, I think our biggest advice would just, you know, make sure you're using that Amazon seller app to, uh, scan the products. If you go out and you decide to give this a try, because, uh, that'll be your biggest, uh, help and partner for finding out which products are restricted. So I think that's our, our, uh, biggest advice and takeaway. Yeah. Cause if you don't use the app, what we find is people say, Oh, well, I bought the, or I see that this is selling on Amazon for 10 bucks and I can buy it for a dollar. So I'm going to make $9. And it's like, well, nope, that's not going to work. <laughs> use the app. Like that's definitely use the app. Yeah. And, and know the rankings and those kinds of things, which, which obviously is a very important thing. So awesome. Thank you both for being on again. And I appreciate it. We'll definitely link to all the things we talked about, the app websites, the other episode that you guys were on back in the day. And, uh, before I let you go, Jessica, where can we go to, uh, get more info. Uh, what else do you have going on? Uh, tell us all the things. Uh, so we, when we were on last time, we were at jessicalaru.com. Since then, we switched to thesellingfamily.com. And so if you go to thesellingfamily.com, we'll still do slash SPI. Yep. Um, you can get a free seven-day email course, which will take you through what we talked about today, but in much more detail, <laughs> more walkthrough style. Cool. And then um, if you're somebody you just want to totally jump in and you want somebody to guide you step-by-step, step, then we also have a course called the Amazon Bootcamp. Um, and what I like is if people go through the seven-day course first, and that really will give you an idea, okay, if this is something I really want to do. And then... I think uh, I, and Pat, too, I've been sharing on YouTube a lot of our finds, uh, you know, so if people are curious about oh, what yeah. we've actually been selling and totally. how much profit we're making on certain items. Uh, I just kind of got into YouTube about two, two and a half months ago um, just to do it for fun and increase our our brand, uh, uh, you know, for people to see it and have some more exposure. But, yeah, if people are curious about some things that we've been selling and finding, uh, you can check us out on YouTube at the search the selling family and I have lots of videos up there. I have some, you know, tips and tricks on, on just all things Amazon. Yeah, cool. I see it here. Awesome. Uh, great job. Thank you for that. I didn't even know you had that YouTube channel. I'm going to go check that out right now. And good luck to you both and uh, hope to chat with you again. Thanks, Pat. Thanks so much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jessica and Cliff. It was such a pleasure to bring them back on the show. And I'm hoping that this episode will have an impact just like it did back in episode 99. Now, if you want to check them out and get a free sort of how to get started, all you think, all the kind of things you need to know beyond this episode, all you have to do is go to thesellingfamily.com slash SPI. One more time, thesellingfamily.com slash SPI. And obviously, you can get that link and all the other links and resources, the app, the websites that you need for this process. You can get them all at the show notes on the Smart Passive Income blog. And if you want to go directly there, just go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 377. One more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 377. Hey, thanks so much for listening in today. I appreciate you so much. And if you have the time, head on over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a quick review. An honest uh, one would be greatly appreciated. And if you like what you hear here, uh, just hit subscribe if you haven't already. I look forward to serving you in the next episode. Until then, you are amazing. Keep up the great work. Hashtag Team Flynn for the win. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast 
called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it. 